0: You'd like to be turning this morning to the book of 2 Timothy. We will get there in a while. It's going to be a while, but we'll get there. You know, <clears throat> there are many books of the Bible that are known for or automatically associated with certain themes. You hear a certain theme and you think, oh, yeah, that's thus and such. Some are obvious and some of them are a bit more subtle for example amongst the most obvious when you think of matthew mark and luke and john obviously those are about the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of our lord and savior those are the themes that are commonly associated with the gospels acts is known as the history book of the church or the book of conversions somebody were to ask you what's the history book of the church What, what church What book tells about the church's history the most, it's it's Acts. We all know that. Ephesians and Colossians, for example, are recognized for being about the church of Christ and the Christ of the church, respectively. When we think about the book of Hebrews, we usually think of a book that was written to encourage Christians who were teetering on the brink of giving up and going back to their old ways, going back to their old religion, going back to the ways of Judaism instead of persevering. And you think of the book of Hebrews as being written to encourage those saints. Throughout the entire book, it talks about perseverance and not giving up. And so that's just a a common theme associated with the book of Hebrews. Similarly, when we consider or hear of the books 1st and 2nd Timothy, what do we think of? We might think of 1st Timothy primarily in reference to qualifications for elders and deacons. That's a pretty typical thought associated with 1st Timothy. When we think of the book of 2nd Timothy, chances are pretty good that we would think of maybe Paul's statement in chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 about having fought the good fight and finished the race and having kept the faith, and that's kind of a a common theme that is associated with 2 Timothy. This morning, I wanna suggest that obviously there's a lot more in all of those books, there's a lot more associated with those books than just that one brief thing that we might think of them in reference to. For example, I think one of the things that we often miss about 2 Timothy, one of the things that we often miss or perhaps fail to understand with 2 Timothy 4 verses 6 through 8 is what gets us to chapter 4 verses 6 through 8. What gets us to that crescendo as it were? What brings us to that point of Paul making that statement about having fought the good fight and kept the faith and finishing the race? I think we often miss what the the purpose is for which that particular text is included as the clincher. It's included as the punchline. What we should perhaps be thinking of as the main reason for penning 2 Timothy rather than just that one little tidbit of information about his imminent and impending martyrdom. Because I believe it's pretty pretty easy to see on closer examination that the whole purpose behind Paul's writing of that letter to Timothy, the one idea or, or truth that we should think of and connect to that book whenever we think of it, is that of Timothy's struggles that of Timothy's spiritual blues or blahs, Timothy's personal struggles or sluggishness even, that Timothy seems to have been wrestling with at the time, and Paul's concerns for both him and the church there at Ephesus where he was ministering as a result, if Timothy's cooling of his zeal, if you will, were not corrected, You know, I I understand that we may not like to think of Timothy in that light. We may not like to think of Timothy in the light of maybe he was struggling or had gotten flat, as it were, or, or drawn back. But whether we like it or not, the uncomfortable truth of the matter is is that all church leaders, and in fact all church members, from elders to deacons to ministers to bible class teachers to song leaders to every single member at times in a local congregation struggle with those sorts of things that i had just mentioned with with cooling zeal, or maybe drawing back, or, or maybe just, just kind of losing their fire. And they all need the love and encouragement of their brethren to get back on track. Peter did, Galatians chapter 2. Peter facing the, the pull of the Jews in that congregation and getting caught up in all of that, Peter drew back from eating with the Gentiles he drew back from doing what he knew he should be doing for the Lord and so apparently as we consider that Peter wasn't above it and apparently young Timothy wasn't wasn't above kind of needing a shot in the arm as it were and the thing is the beautiful thing about it is the Apostle Paul saw it and the Apostle Paul loved Timothy enough to encourage him to immediately and lovingly address his blahs or his blues or his drawing back as we will see in this morning's lesson entitled, Curing Timothy's Spiritual Blaws," There are a couple of reasons why we always need and hopefully from this point on, will connect that theme to this epistle. The first reason is simply because that is biblically accurate, as we will see here with the rest of the lesson. But before we get to that, the second reason that we always need to think of Timothy, uh, 2nd Timothy in light of, of what I just said, is because maybe it will help us to all be a little bit more aware that nobody in the church, not even ourselves, or anyone else, no matter who they are, is immune From becoming spiritually flat at times and in need of encouragement and this book will also help us not only to understand that but to see how to help get them back on track and as we're going to see in this lesson that is by getting them to number one remember their purpose number two to rekindle their fire and number three to rediscover their spiritual zeal once again. Before we get into the meat of of that message of of 2 Timothy, the epistle itself, I want to, I told you it'd take us a while to get there, but we will, I I want to begin with a, a brief history of exactly who Timothy was, where he had been, and what he had seen and experienced as a beloved convert, a trusted confidant, and a frequent frequent traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. Timothy is believed to have been converted either during or immediately after Paul's first missionary trip to the city of Lystra as recorded in Acts 14. You will recall that there in Acts 14 is where Jews came from Iconium, they came from Antioch there to Lystra, Timothy's hometown. They came to Lystra where Paul was preaching. They stoned Paul and they dragged him outside of the city and they left him for dead. <clears throat> but after he arose and went into Derby, preached the gospel there, the Apostle Paul returned to Lystra, the very city where he had been stoned. Now that took some faith. But he came back to Lystra, to the very city where he had been stoned. And he encouraged the congregation there in Acts 14 to continue in the faith, saying, hey, look, these trials and tribulations, that's what it's gonna take to enter the kingdom. We must enter the kingdom through many of these trials and tribulations. And then he appointed elders in the church, both there and throughout the surrounding congregations, verses 19 through 23 of Acts 14. Now again, Lystra was Timothy's hometown or where we, we see Timothy. And I'll tell you something, if the Apostle Paul If any preacher were to stand up before you this morning, who two weeks ago had been stoned and left for dead in a ditch out here in Shoto, because people hated him so much, and he dared to walk back into that same town and get up in this pulpit and preach to you all covered with scars and bruises, where he'd been stoned and left for dead, and said, look, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Would that make an impression on you? It would make an impression on me. Wow, he's living it. There's something to this. So whether it was then during his visit when this happened or shortly thereafter he left, as elders and members taught the gospel of Christ to those in the city of Lystra, Timothy was converted. Personally, just personal opinion, I think that there's more of a likelihood that Paul actually is the one who was there when he was converted or that Paul was there simply because of two things, number one, He seems to have a very thorough knowledge, Paul does, of of, uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother and their faith, seems to have known them personally. And also because he calls Timothy his son in the faith, which is a, a term which could very well indicate that he baptized him, but again, we don't know. But it doesn't really matter. Either way, by the time of Paul's second visit to Lystra, We see that Timothy had become a very well-respected and well-spoken of Christian in the local area. So much so that Paul decided he wanted to take Timothy with him in his travels, which he did. Acts chapter 16, 1 through 5. So Timothy winds up from that point on, going with the Apostle Paul and his little troop. He's with them in Philippi, where Paul and Silas are imprisoned where Lydia and the jailer and their households were converted and the church there was established. Timothy was with them then, scripture tells us that, as we read through the rest of Acts 16. So, Timothy being with Paul and Silas and throughout that Acts 16 imprisonment and the earthquake and the jailer's conversion and all of that, when the the church was established there through through those ends, those people there knowing Timothy knowing who Timothy was because they were familiar with him, because he had been there with Paul. Something that Paul alludes to later on when he writes to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19-22, through 22, when he says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may be encouraged when I know your state. Listen to this. Paul says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served me with the gospel. Paul says, you know Timothy. Oh boy, that Timothy. He is sincerely concerned. If anybody is concerned for your welfare, it's Timothy. I have nobody like Timothy. Man, he served me like a son to his father. And you know this, he said, because you know Timothy. So this is some of the early history of Timothy. <clears throat> we see Timothy in Acts chapter 17 verses 13 and 14 remain behind with Silas during the Berean firestorm that sent Paul packing into sea. Paul later on sent Timothy to Thessalonica, yeah Thessalonica, no, Paul then later sent Timothy to Thessalonica, I can say that. Reminding them later on when he wrote to the Thessalonians very similarly to how he had reminded the Philippians about Timothy. He reminded the Thessalonikians, why am I struggling with that this morning? The people in Thessalonica, <clears throat> reminding them of Timothy's outstanding character and Timothy's ability as an encourager in the worst of their afflictions. We see this in 1 Thessalonians. Chapter three, verses one through eight. Over the next several years, all we catch are just little fleeting glimpses of of Timothy as he darts here and he darts there, working and serving and ministering to the saints on several different occasions and in several different locations, including being with the Apostle Paul. We catch just a brief glimpse of him in Acts chapter 20. You remember Acts chapter 20 where they were at Troas? And they stayed there seven days to break bread. And Eutychus fell out of the window. Timothy was there. We see, catch just a glimpse of him there with Paul. And we eventually see Timothy <clears throat> wind up being with Paul during Paul's first imprisonment. We know this because when Paul wrote Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, he wrote how Timothy was with him in Philippians 1, 1, Colossians 1, 1, and Philemon 1. And so it is after Paul's first release from prison, Timothy having traveled with him and done all of these things, seen all of these things, seen what the Apostle Paul has gone through in his faith, seen the persecution, seen the struggle, seen the tension. After Paul is released from prison, the first time, he leaves Timothy in Ephesus. He leaves Timothy in Ephesus as an evangelist to shut down the false teachers that were cropping up there and try to keep that congregation on the straight and narrow as we see him left behind there in Ephesus in 1 Timothy chapter one, verse three, with the ensuing reasons listed in the ensuing verses. However, by the time 2 Timothy is written, it's written with an entirely different focus and emphasis than 1 Timothy. His brother, Alan Webster, has written in his second letter to the young preacher, Paul shows concern about Timothy's lukewarm attitude. He felt Timothy needed a shot in the arm from the great physician, a pep talk from his spiritual coach, a vitamin supplement from the divine apothecary, or more appropriately, a father-son talk. We can easily see this from the epistles text. Just the same way as we we look at Hebrews and we see what the writer of Hebrews addressed, we can know that the Hebrews were teetering on the brink, that they needed encouragement to pull them back. We tell that from the way Hebrews is written. Well, when you take a close look at the way 2 Timothy is written, you can see the same thing. You can see what we just talked about. You can see that Paul is addressing somebody who's really struggling to maintain their zeal and their fire, somebody that's kind of drawn back in their attitude, somebody that's, that's faced so much aggression, that has faced so much resistance to the message that they are bringing, that, that Timothy's just kind of, it, it, it's wearing him down, it's overwhelming. And you can see this as we read the text, and I, and I want to take us through the text and, and show us this. He starts out in verse 1 by reminding Timothy of the promise of life that we have in Christ Jesus, And then he writes this in verses two through eight. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now listen to these words in light of what I've said. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is is in you also. Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. As you read that introduction and you stop and pause for a minute, remember, this was not a letter that was specifically written first and foremost in its context to the church. This was a letter that was written to Timothy. Now, yes, we all gain application from it. it is divinely inspired. Every word we can benefit from it, yes. But remember, this was a letter written from Paul to Timothy personally. This was a personal letter between two men, two servants of God. And notice in those verses that I read, To begin with, Paul says, I'm praying for you constantly. Verse 3. Now, Paul prayed for a lot of people. didn't necessarily mean they were struggling. But why did he pray for him? Well, number one, he remembered his tears. We're not told why. We're not told the reason for those tears. It's just one more little piece of the puzzle that shows us that Timothy was struggling. Paul said, I'm praying for you constantly people are struggling and you let them know that that means a lot he said because of your tears verse 4 but in verses 5 through 7 he also talks about he says I I know your mother's faith and your grandmother's faith which I'm persuaded Timothy is in you too I, I know it's in there I know it's in there therefore he said You've got to remember that God didn't give us a spirit of powerlessness and a spirit of fear. Timothy, you've got to stop fearing. That's not the spirit that's in you, Timothy. The spirit that's in you is different than that. It's not a fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and and of a sound mind. And... In verse 6, as well, when he says, Timothy, you've got to, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. That word itself proves the point of the whole epistle. That word, when he says, stir it up, Timothy, that Greek word is anazopirio. This is what it means. Rekindle. Kindle anew. Resuscitate or inflame one's mind, strength, and zeal. That's what it means. Listen, why do you have to rekindle a fire? Because it's burned low, right? It's all gone out. When a fire burns low, you have to rekindle it. You have to refeed it. You have to fan the flames. You have to get it built up again. That's exactly what that word means. Timothy's fire is burning low. He said, you've got you've to stir it up, Timothy. Timothy, stir up that that spirit within you so that you don't fear so much, Timothy. Stir it up. Rekindle that flame, Timothy. His brother Webster has written again, he said the fires of Timothy's enthusiasm for preaching were flickering. Paul tells him, get the poker out. Stir the fire. Add some wood. Make it burn bright again. And Brother Webster makes this very sobering point. Timothy had not deliberately left God. Timothy was not using his talents for sinful purposes. But those are not the only places that zeal and enthusiasm for God and His service can be allowed to wane and go out. They can also become dying embers simply sitting in church pews. Timothy wasn't a bad guy. Timothy hadn't gone back into the world. Timothy wasn't indulging in all kinds of sin. Timothy wasn't deliberately turning away from God. He wasn't committing the biggies but he was sputtering, he was struggling. He needed his fire rekindled, he needed his flame refanned. You can see this as the epistle continues to unfold. When you look in verse eight, what does Paul tell Timothy? He says, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Timothy, don't be ashamed of me. Now, you don't tell somebody not to be ashamed of you unless they're leaning in that direction, is that fair? If somebody's proud of you you don't say don't be ashamed of me well they're already not that's a, that's a dumb statement but look at verse 8 he says it says Timothy says don't be ashamed of the gospel Timothy apparently Timothy was struggling in that direction at least being quieter about it he said, Timothy and don't be ashamed of me Timothy this is a personal letter from Paul don't be ashamed of me his prisoner but but share with me in the sufferings of the for the gospel Share with me in those sufferings, Timothy, don't draw back just because you're suffering. just because you're preaching the truth, just because you're telling people the way it is. Don't't don't, don't be ashamed of that truth. Don't be ashamed to preach it. Don't be ashamed to tell them, Timothy. Yeah, you're going to struggle and suffer, but that's okay. Join with me. I'm suffer- I'm struggling. As a matter of fact, if you look a little, Later on, yeah, Timothy was apparently suffering some pretty heavy repercussions or backlash because of his preaching the truth about Jesus. And, and it appears that it caused him to draw back a little. But you know what Paul goes on to remind him after verse eight when he says, don't be ashamed of me, Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the testimony. Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. You know what Paul tells him? He says, hey, I'm not ashamed of him. I'm struggling for that same gospel. That's what he tells him. He says right here, in verse 11, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. He told Timothy earlier, he said, he said don't, don't, don't draw back, he didn't say don't draw back. He said, Timothy, join me in suffering for the gospel. Don't be ashamed. In verse 12, he says, I'm struggling for the gospel. Nevertheless, look at verse 12. I'm not ashamed the Very thing he told Timothy not to be. He said, I'm not. You know why Paul said, I'm not ashamed? He said, because I know God and I am confident in God that God is God and God's got this. Timothy, take a lesson. You keep on preaching the truth, you keep on doing what you're supposed to be doing as the evangelist I left you there in Ephesus to do, you keep on doing it. Even if there's some struggle and suffering involved, don't be ashamed of me, don't be ashamed of the God. I'm not ashamed. I know God and you need to too. Listen, in verse 13 he says, Hold fast. Listen, the only reason you tell somebody to hold fast or hang on is because they're losing their grip. They're letting go or they're in danger of it or they look like they're about to. That's the only reason you encourage them to hang on. If they're already hanging on great, you don't tell them to hang on. You know they got it already. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. Timothy, you keep it on preaching what it says. Which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. You don't encourage somebody to keep something unless they're letting go of it. And throughout this, as you as you read this with this idea in mind and this understanding, you begin to see that, that Timothy is really struggling. Then in verses 15 through 18, Paul goes on to point out there's quite a number that have left him. There's quite a number whose fire has burned out. There's quite a number who have deserted him and Only one had remained with him and ministered to him. Verses 15 through 18 of chapter one, perhaps giving us some insight as to why he's trying to rekindle Timothy's fire. Because Paul knows, based on those who have left him, that a fire left dwindling, dying, unfed, and unfanned will eventually grow old grow cold, and go out. Paul's seen it. He's letting him know, verse 15, letting Timothy know. Paul's seen it in far too many cases, and he doesn't want to lose Timothy. Just like God doesn't want to lose any of us, he doesn't want our fire to go out. In the encouragement of chapter 2, we can easily see reflected young Timothy's need to have his fire again rekindled which it seems the hardships he's had to endure as a result of having stood on the word of God has definitely put a damper on. I mean, I mean, look at the encouragement again to stand strong. At chapter 2, he says, verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You know, we use that a lot and talk about we need to give it to the young men in the church, and they need to pass it on, and that's all true. But let's not take it out of its context. What is its context? Paul's telling Timothy, you've got to keep doing this. You've got to be strong. And those things that you've heard, you've got to keep committing to faithful men who can teach others. Uh, Timothy, you can't stop doing it. You can't slow down. Timothy, you can't let your fire go out. You can't, you can't stop just because you're encountering some resistance. You've got to keep doing this. He says in verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier Jesus. He said, hey, look, hardship comes with this job, Timothy. Hardship comes with it, standing on the word of God. Therefore, you've got to endure it. You don't give up. You don't draw back. You just endure it. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he isn't crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must first be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Timothy, you've got to snap out of it. Every place you look, whether it's farmers, whether it's athletes, whether it's soldiers, listen, those people are committed to certain things and they gotta stay the course and so do you, Timothy. Just just look around you, this illustration is everywhere. You You gotta snap out of it. Verse eight, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, watch this, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. That's a key phrase. What's Paul telling him? He said, look, I'm suffering for the same reason. That's the reasons for which I suffer as an evildoer. Paul, they're calling me an evildoer. Uh, Timothy, they're calling me an evildoer. It's because of the gospel that I'm suffering trouble as an even evildoer, even to the point of chains. Timothy, look, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, or for that reason, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Paul said, Timothy, I'm struggling too. They call me an evildoer for doing this. I, to the point. I got these chains, but he said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to keep on doing it because it's the gospel that frees people, and I'm not going to let anything stop me from preaching that, not even these chains. And Timothy, the, the point is you can't either. Verses 14 and 15, Paul says, Remind them of these things, but make sure that you are being diligent to present yourself approved to God at the same time. And see, we often miss that. There's another little verse that we kind of pull out of the book and say, we need to be diligent to, we need to study to show ourselves approved. We need to be diligent to do that as workmen that needeth not to be ashamed. That's true, by the way. But in the context, it is written to Timothy. Timothy, you have got to continue to study. You have got to be diligent to study. Timothy, you cannot draw back, Timothy. Timothy, you can't stop just because there's opposition. Timothy, remember me, remember Paul saying what I went through, and he's going to elaborate on that in a moment. You've been with me, you know. You, you, you've got to be diligent to present yourself to God as a worker that needs not to be shamed. That was a personal letter to Timothy because apparently Timothy's struggling with that. In verses 16 through 21, the Apostle Paul tells him how And goes on to admonish Timothy as a young man once again. In verse 22, as he sums up, he says, Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Timothy, here's what you got to do, son. This is what it's going to take. Now, there's times in Paul's writings when Paul writes to people and he will say, I'm going to... Talk to you about love, even though you need nobody to instruct you because you guys are already doing a great job with that. If I may paraphrase, Paul writes things like that to people. He doesn't write that way to Timothy. He doesn't tell Timothy, listen, you've got to pursue these things. You're doing a great job with it now, but but this needs to be your focus. He leaves the whole you're doing a great job with it now out. Because Timothy needs to be reminded that, that these are the things that are important. And apparently Timothy wasn't doing all the job Paul thought he ought to. It is from about here to the end of this epistle that the Apostle Paul can be seen getting into the root of what is most likely the source of most of Timothy's frustration, Timothy's growing hesitation, and that which is putting the damper on Timothy's spiritual fire. And what the root of that is, of the problem, is all of the reluctance, all of the resistance and the personal persecution that he has been putting up with just trying to preach the truth to those who need it most. For example, in verses 23 through 26 Paul in effect says, look, in order not to get so irritated and frustrated so you can humbly teach the lost about how to be saved, you need to avoid getting involved in all of those foolish little disputes that have nothing to do with salvation. You gotta avoid those, Timothy. They're only gonna frustrate you further. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Timothy, you're, you're, you're irritable, and you're in all of these little fights that have nothing to do with salvation. You need to deal with salvation and stay away from those things that just frustrate you. as we move on from there in chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 Paul lets Timothy know that he shouldn't be so surprised or get so frustrated when he encounters such resistance and antagonism from certain people because as Paul reminds him Timothy that's who people are that's who people are Timothy It's always been that way. Verse eight. It's only gonna get worse as time goes by. Verses one through eight. But don't worry. Their folly will become obvious to all, verse nine. It's interesting in, doing, in saying that, Paul takes him all the way back to Moses. And he said, hey, people were around resisting the truth when Moses was here. Moses was frustrated too, right? Remember Moses, how frustrated he got? Lord, what am I gonna do with this people? Paul says, it's the way it's always been, Timothy. It's the way it's always been. But then he goes on to try to encourage Timothy. And and here he comes. By by reminding him of all the struggles that he, the Apostle Paul, had similarly endured. He goes back to remind Timothy of of all the struggles that that Timothy saw him go through. Remember when we started this lesson, I took you through Timothy's history with Paul and the imprisonments and and all the stuff that he went through? I did that for a reason. Because Paul here is going to take Timothy back in Timothy's mind and say, Timothy, you remember my manner of life, my way of life? You remember how I went through this very thing? You, you remember how I, I taught the truth and, and all the struggle it got me into? And he goes on to encourage how Timothy in like fashion must therefore continue faithfully forward just like he, Paul, had done no matter the frustration, no matter the resistance, no matter the personal persecution, or, or the constant temptation to just cool his jets and sit down and shut up, because it was just too hard. Paul says, no, can't do that, Timothy. You can't let frustration, or persecution, or difficulty slow you down or stop you. You just can't. Look how crystal clear this message is in what Paul wrote in chapter 3 beginning at verse 10. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. Oh, Timothy, you need some long-suffering, brother. Love, perseverance. Timothy, you've got to persevere like I have. Persecutions. Timothy, you know what I've gone through for the gospel. Afflictions. Timothy, you know what it's cost me, which happened to me at... Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. There it is. Paul says, Timothy, you remember the stoning? Lystra is your hometown. You know how they stoned and left He takes him right back. to it. He says, Timothy, you remember this. Go back and think about this. You know what I have endured. But here's the great thing. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me, Timothy. Timothy, the Lord will deliver you. Just hang in there and stay faithful. I know it's hard. I'm living proof it's hard. But you've got to hang in there, buddy. Yes, verse 12, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Timothy, don't be surprised. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue. Why do you tell somebody they got to continue? Because chances are they're teetering on the brink of not continuing. Otherwise you wouldn't tell them that. He says, therefore, because you know the struggles, you know the cost, you've seen it firsthand with me, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How many times do we just take that, that little section right there without the background and the history, and it, it doesn't it doesn't have the power. We, we cherry-pick the verses, but, but when you understand What's behind this personal letter of encouragement? He's telling Timothy, Timothy, you can't stop. You've got to continue in those things which you know, Timothy. Look look at what you know. Look at what you've learned from the scriptures. You've got to keep sharing that. You've got to keep spreading that. You you know these things, Timothy. You can't draw back. You know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know the scripture is all important. Therefore, chapter 4, verse 1, preach the word, Timothy. You've got to keep doing it don't let your fire go out Timothy I charge you chapter 4 verse 1 therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead it is appearing in his kingdom preach the word Timothy it doesn't matter whether it's popular or not it doesn't matter if they accept it or not it doesn't matter if they turn away or not cuz some are gonna chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 but you Do the work, verse five, chapter four, you do the work of an evangelist. You don't tell him that unless he's beginning not to. Do the work of an evangelist. Endure persecution. That tells you right there what Timothy's getting for doing the work of an evangelist. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Timothy, finish the race. Finish the course. Fulfill your ministry. Do not draw back. Do not let your fire go out. Do not lose it this close. In verse 5, chapter 4, in this closing admonition verse, we once again clearly see through the words that the Apostle Paul wrote the problem that he's writing to address. Timothy's waning fire to finish his course as an evangelist because of all of the afflictions and resistance and persecution that he's having to endure. Did you know that the word endure is used five times in these four chapters? The word endure in 2 Timothy is a key word. When you study Bible books, if you look at the frequency of certain words, it will give you an idea of the theme of the book. John talks about these things are written that you may believe, and throughout the Gospel of John, you will see him trying to convince people to believe. In 2 Timothy, you will find the word endure, 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 endure. Five times in four verses. There's a reason for that. That's the theme. Timothy, you've got to endure. you got to. Which then brings us to the three verses. This little epistle is perhaps the most remembered for but which, if we do not understand the history that leads up to them, as we have covered in this lesson, will probably leave us with far less of an understanding and insight into them than God ever intended. And that is verses 6 through 8. Don't pluck it out of its context. Remember everything we've talked about this morning, including verse 5, where he says to Timothy, you've got to continue, you can't stop. You've got to endure afflictions, even if they come. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Paul's going to say, because I fulfilled mine despite the persecutions, and therefore the rewards are around the corner. That's the point of verses 6 through 8. Look what he says. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. Timothy, just like I'm encouraging you to do, just like you've got to do, my son, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race, and through it all, he says, I have kept the faith. Timothy, when the persecutions came at Iconium and Lystra, when they were, when they were stoning me, when they were chasing me, when they were trying to kill me, I kept faith. I kept persevering, Timothy. Timothy, you can't give up just because you're struggling. You can't let your fire go out, man. You just can't. I finished my race. I kept the faith. And you know what, Timothy? Because of it, verse 8, finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing, he might as well have written. And to Timothy, people just like you, who need to finish your race, too. Timothy, you've got to love his appearing. You've got to look forward to it. You've got to keep that fire burning. In verses 9 through 22, The Apostle Paul closes this epistle with some personal remarks and observations. But even if we were to read right down through them, and I hope you will later, what you're going to see is a reflection of many of the things he's just already written to Timothy. How some had deserted him. How some had stayed with him. And how the Lord had and would continue to deliver him, even through all of those things, from every evil work, and how God would preserve him for his heavenly kingdom. Verse 18. Brethren, it is imperative that we think of this book whenever we hear the words 2 Timothy, whenever we think about this book, that we always think of it, not just simply in reference to the Apostle Paul's pinnacle punchline in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Not just that. Not just that Paul had finished his course and race and would receive the crown of life but that we think of this book and we always connect to it, everything that leads up to that, including that. That we think of Timothy's struggles, that we think of the all-consuming love and concern and, and the message that Paul had for this Christian brother that he loved so deeply that led up to those remarks where he's saying, I've done it, Timothy. I'm ready to cross the finish line. You need to keep going so you can cross it too. That's what we can't lose about this book. That's what we've got to understand. And the reason that is imperative, is because of how it relates to and can encourage and rekindle us and our spiritual zeal and fires as well. There are times that we all get a little flat. There are times when sitting in the pews, our zeal and our fire just sputters down like a campfire after several hours and and it gets down to this little glow and there's not a lot of power in it to warm up those around us in 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 one little ember, we're to let our light shine right scripture right if we're one burning charcoal and our flame has burned down so low you can't see a char, if you're out in the woods somewhere and somebody's got a fire and all they got's one charcoal, you're not, that fire's not gonna lead you home. It's only a big blaze on the side of a hill where, where it's really flamed. You can see that for a ways, but one ember you can't. Timothy's fire was getting real low and, and all of us know what that's like. As I said, Timothy struggled with cooling zeal or or lagging effort where he had to be reminded to rekindle that fire and stir it up wasn't, listen, it wasn't the lack of a sincere faith. He had a sincere faith, right? Paul said, I am convinced the same sincere faith that was in your mother and grandmothers in you. He had a sincere faith. It wasn't a lack of that that was his problem, okay? It wasn't a lack of proven character. Paul wrote to the Philippians, you know his character. You know his proven character. Timothy, there's nobody like him. That wasn't a problem. It wasn't a problem. Timothy's problem wasn't a, willingness of a lack, to, lack of a willingness to serve. Paul sent him all over the place serving. He went and encouraged and brought back news and he's running errands and he's with Paul in jail. It wasn't a, a, a lack of a willingness to serve. That wasn't his problem. But what this book proves to us is that even the greatest of God's saints and servants, even those who have a sincere faith, a proven character, and are willing to serve, maybe even some of you in this room this morning or watching this video, still sometimes lose our fire. And we need it rekindled. And it doesn't matter who you are or how strong or steadfast you may have been in the past. You still love God. You still want to serve. But, man, it's just, it's just life's gotten overwhelming in trying to tell everybody about Jesus. And, 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 and it's just caused you to kind of sit back and say, you know what, man, the opposition's just too hard. And at times to just shut up when you ought to speak up. Sometimes life beats us all up. Every last one of us, I don't care who you are. Sometimes life beats us all down. Doesn't matter who you are. And it burns our spiritual fire down to nothing but a little tiny smoldering ember. And sometimes we just need that gentle and loving reminding and restirring and rekindling so that our fire doesn't go completely out. Because this life will soon be over anyway, and the reward will be well worth the wake up, the shake up, and the rekindling. It will because there's a crown of life waiting for those who don't let their fire go out. That was Paul's message to Timothy. It's my message to all of us, including myself. What about you this morning? If you need your fire initially lit, by having your sins forgiven and becoming a New Testament Christian, having them all washed away so that you can know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and that you have a place in heaven. We'd love to initially start that bonfire this morning, right, church? If you're somebody that's done that and you started out in just a blaze of glory, <laughs> somehow over the years, life has just kinda sucked the oxygen out of your spiritual fire and you are just burning lower and you know you need to be rekindled. The book of Timothy is good for that, but so is your brothers and sisters, we'll pray for you, we'll pray with you. We will love on you, we will fan your flame. Whatever you need this morning, please let us know as we stand and sing a song that has been specifically chosen to help rekindle those fires. Please join me if you have a need this morning.